So go chase this. Welcome, beautiful people. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Vida y Vino with the Bro Taste This Boys. With the group of mischievous, what would you call us? Dumb fucks? Mavericks. 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 That, that's, a little nice. that's a little okay. nice. That's a little nice. That's a little nice. Joining us today, my improv partner tonight. What's up? I am Michael Kanak. Thank Michael you, Michael. Kanak. Kanak, indeed. Oh, yeah. Michael like Kanak with a strong last name over here happens mm-hmm. to be one of Felonius' best friends. That is I. Am I Phil one of your Golden. best friends? Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Well, after that, sad. I, I, don't, I don't even know you at this point after that. <laughs> Come on, Michael, we're trying to bring some class into this. Well, folks, welcome. This is a very exciting episode. I'd like to introduce you to, as Juan Legend said, the one and only. Thank you, bud. Uh, over here, we got Michael Kanak. Of course. How you do you might, guys know each other, Phil? You might have to call you by your uh, your high school nickname. You mean by the nickname that you've been calling me my whole life? Yeah. yeah. I am Mikey. Hello, world. Mikey. Mikey here. Mikey the man right here. Mikey the beastly one. Oh, yeah. The old yeah. Xbox. Uh, it's not beastly, though. It was beastie. Beastie. Yeah, because like, there's nothing beastly about me. Oh. <laughs> okay. Now, like... Uh, a bestiality kind of a thing. Oh, thank you. No. <laughs> we don't support that here. Like bestiality here. We don't support that here. But, Michael, it's good to have you back in the boots back in Wisconsin. And to celebrate that, we're going to be drinking one of New Glarus's own Moon Man. Hey. The man brought to you on the moon. Cheers, Michael. Cheers. You know, I've never had one Cheers, of these. Cheers, fellas. Right, we're going to have to cut that out because uh, that's this week's sponsor. So, <laughs> Yeah, Michael over here is a drug addict, uh, alcoholic. Wait, drug addict is different from alcoholic. Michael's a habitual drinker. <laughs> he knows everything about New Glarus. Right, Michael? Functional alcoholic. Functional. There you go. That's what, that's what you were going for. Mm-hmm. Trusty alcoholic. Are you, I, you said you hadn't drank this one, have you? I haven't had this one. I am, I am a big fan of the Spotted Cows. There right? we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that is their staple, their mm-hmm. flagship. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. To spill to myself. It's okay, that'll come right out and wash. Oh, yeah. So, Michael, yep. one of the things that I really wanted to get into um, was your relationship with Phil, specifically. Yeah. How, how does such uh, well-composed individuals as yourself manage to uh, ride this uh, tornado bull? Well, let me tell you, it's a, it is a wild ride, because personality-wise, we are very, very different, have been ever since high school, right? But he actually gets a lot of credit for breaking me out of my, my little, like, shell. Like, I, there's a story that another one of our friends loves to tell, where uh, we would, at, in high school, you would attend the high school football games, because that's what you do, even though your team was going to get creamed every time, because... Oh, especially you know, our high school football team. Wasn't good. Not until no. you, not until you got on it. Then uh, it all, I won't take any of the credit. All <laughs> credit goes to our wonderful coaches and players mm-hmm. that I was part of. So I guess I'll take some of the credit. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, I was the guy who would like sit in the top left hand corner with his like black jacket, right? Like if he had a hood, you put the hood up. You'd just be like a little gremlin in the corner, yeah, right. And so like this is like ninth grade, tenth grade, um, just very much a loner kid. And so Phil gets a an enormous amount of credit. Uh, for breaking me out of that shell, because we were in uh, the high school musicals together, 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually, actually, you introduced me to another one of my best friends, Cesar, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have hung out with either of you except that you're hilarious, oh, yeah. right? And of course, hilarity draws attention, so that's that's how that happened. And I got into the musicals, and Cesar uh, got into the musicals the most like fill way possible. I like I promised him like, yeah, let's go, let's go do uh, what was it, Oliver? Oliver and was Company. Oliver was your first in high school, yeah. Would have been my first in high school. We went to the auditions. We, we, uh, Colton and I, who's a good friend of mine, hmm. remember? Yeah, I remember. A little CCR for those who know. Uh, he got me into the musicals by saying like it's a good after school thing, and you know a bunch of people just mess around, don't do anything in it. Well, that's that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was and fun. Uh, I convinced Caesar to come with me to go do it, and then like we. Uh, I went there once to meet the like the dance lady, the choreographer. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we were doing professional style choreography at that point. And brother, <laughs> she can move like no other. Bro, this lady. Knowing you, I bet you thought she was really. Attractive. Oh my god, she I was, was though. She was enamored, right. brother. There we go. Was she was she in her thirties at that point though? Well, she may. Pff, I don't give it. She may. She could have been <laughs> in her sixties, brother. She could have still got it. No, she was definitely like late twenties, early thirties, and uh, yeah, I was like, wow, this is pretty lame other than besides than that girl mm. you know uh so i kind of just quit the musical you thought left, it was lame left caesar by himself <laughs> i i thought you had stuck out with musicals for a minute you didn't no, no i redeemed myself back. next yeah. year oh, after okay. like caesar gave me a bunch of shows like oh you gonna sign you gonna convince me and sign me up and then leave me to hang you are an asshole for mm-hmm. i did to be fair to be fair cheers but thanks to me doing the most feel way possible Got Michael and Caesar a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Michael and uh, got I got more introduced in the choir classes and stuff like that, mm. and uh, the talent show. All right, talent the talent show. show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys had like your magic acts mm-hmm. and stuff like and that. And then uh, you did your uh, comedy act, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a comedy. Uh, I had a uh, a um, like a stand-up comedian. I forget what the name of the guy who actually wrote it is, but it's uh, was it Eddie Izzer or some other? No, guy? no. It was. I can't remember, but basically he, it's a driving instructor, right? And so I was participating in a talent show, and I memorized this skit that he does where it's a one-man, like, it's just a, a driving instructor that's sort of going through a day with just the worst possible uh, student imaginable, right? Like, mm-hmm. she winds up, like, uh, she to, to break, she's, like, throwing it in reverse. She winds up in the, the median, right? And a real she says, car wreck. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> a real car wreck. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, actually, Cesar mentions that as as a point that he was like, "Oh, hey, look at that guy. He could be funny." I was like, "Yeah, okay. hell yeah, yeah." Go. I think it was like a defense driver instructor or something, or a defense driving, or so. At the end of the day, you guys were theater kids. In, in our I'd yeah. say so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially by senior year. By senior year, we had a we had a dynamic going on. We had to share a uh, a song where Phil, as a mute king, has to teach me about the birds and the bees. Oh, oh that's yeah. hilarious. Was yeah. there like? Hip thrusting involved, or how did you do no, that? No, it was actually way more classy because we had a chore- choreographer help us for a little bit of that, and um, it was just a father and son thing, kind of telling them about the birds and the bees. So a lot of birds action, a lot of bees action. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was any hip thrusting. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think so. we were that cl- crass. It's it's interesting because I was I was dauntless, which is like an overgrown man child. Yeah. like he's a prince, right? And he's like trying to guess what the hell his father is saying, but he has no no clue, no idea, right? For he's mute, and he was mute because some witch or some spell or something. something like that. Yeah, I think he became mute after they took him to court for too many seconds. <laughs> so the whole, 
My like, whole thing as the character was that I'm a pervert king, King Sextimus. The musical production was called as King. Uh, what was it? Once upon a mattress. Once upon a mattress, and it's based on a rendition of like That's the princess what that and the musical pea. Is about? The princess and the pea. Yeah, yeah. It's literally the princess and the pea, but mm-hmm. talk. Uh, okay. done in a more entertaining fashion. Yeah, and I was like the horniest king ever. <laughs> so like my whole thing, I think I acted out goosing a lady for one of the songs. Oh yeah, shit, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Literally, I would like goose ladies, like whoop, like on pinch stage. Yeah, pinch your ass because oh, I was the pervert king who could not speak. So like at some point, I had to tell my son about the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the musical, your wife was like the evil queen the uh no your wife your wife is the is the evil queen but she wants to get with her son in like an incestuous sort of relationship because she wants the kingdom which is really weird because that was my my actual girlfriend at the time was played this this queen that was hilarious (laughs) shout out (laughs) pretty funny dude you you always hear the the rumor that uh theater kids are kind of like this incestuous dating circle would you say that it lives up to those rumors or not? I would say it got pretty, they were pretty hyped up after like musical productions to play like games. Like, what if we play Spin the Bottle? Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was always that moment of like, we could sp- kiss for fun. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was always the, there was like the acting one where it was like, uh, if you love me. Could you just please smile that game or whatever? Do you remember this? Uh, oh, no. So the whole premise of the game was to get the other character to break. Yeah. Right? And, like, you would have to say... Honey, has, do you love me? That's the name. Mm-hmm. Honey, I do love you, but I just can't smile. And, like, the other person... Eventually, it got to the point where they would just start, like, being seductive as possible. Like, <laughs> whisper into your ear, like, honey, <laughs> honey, if you love me, can and since they like eight, seventeen year olds, sixteen year olds, like getting that tangling sensation, brother. You know, just just climbing on top of each other, a bunch of gym rats. Like you just feel the blood rushing. There mm. he goes. <laughs> and that's that's like we you know we're rural country kids right here, right? Mm. Only imagine what those city theater kids are up to. Woo! <laughs> Jesus, they got a public transportation. They got access to drugs. They're probably on blue chews for all we know. <laughs> I mean, Jesus I mean, Christ. at that age, I don't know if it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. But no, it was pretty fun. Uh, that's how Michael and I kind of got accumulated through the uh, theater and uh, drama. drama Those club. circles, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, when did you and uh, our mutual friend Caesar? Bless you. Thank you very much. That's the Moon Man right there, folks. If you want high quality bird pitch, I recommend the Moon Man from hey. New Glarus. Uh, cheers. Hey, cheers. What do you guys think about the beer, though? Like any tasting notes? Oh, it's a good summer beer. I, I, out of the, the New Glarus lineup, you had what? Flat Tire. You have Spotted Cow. You got Moon Man. They got a squirrel one, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Fat Squirrel. Fat Squirrel, yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah. always have those really fun names. I like mm-hmm. Moon Man, Fat Squirrel. Mm-hmm. Like two, it's not two broke girls. That's a fucking show. But <laughs> oh, there's yeah. like two sisters or they have a... <laughs> oh, yeah, twin sisters or something. They have like a the... beer also named that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I like this one uh, because it's um, technically an American pale ale. They labeled it No Coast Pale Ale. Just to, you know, a little bit of branding. But I like it because it's, you know, like uh, IPA, but not nearly like to that level. You know, just yeah. like 
Yeah, it's like an like an IPA you can drink in the summer that doesn't like punch you in the face with a ton of hops, like that weed mm-hmm. skunk taste that mm-hmm. a lot of IPAs have. It's pleasant. Mm-hmm. Exactly, a good, very, a good very summer pleasant. drink, like you were yeah. saying, good pleasant summer drink. Uh, yeah, exactly. A mature version of that summer shandy. I wouldn't say that, but I get you what you're saying. You wouldn't say, say that. that. Summer shandy is a little sweeter. More. Yeah, a little sweeter. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a little bit more lemonadey. You know, and this is hoppy. There's a little bit more hop to it. <laughs> <laughs> is that how the girls would talk to you? Is that, is that how they would whisper in your ear? <laughs> Just like that, with those exact words. Because <laughs> you, you, they can't say the normal line because that's not working anymore. So <laughs> I gotta say, I'm surprised that they had that musical that like. Oh, the, the Once Upon a Mattress yeah. in oh, yeah. rural Wisconsin? Yeah. Right? I, I, You'd think the name yeah. alone. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all the musicals that, like, for the theme being, like, a sex horn king and, like... Yeah, that's that's what I'm most surprised about. Like, the name, I kind of thought, like... Once Upon a Mattress, right? I kind of like, thought, like, the name implied, like, there's a uh, mattress that's, like, the Aladdin mar- magic carpet. Like, you know, you nope. can take that a thousand different directions, but... Uh, like you guys breaking down that this is a pervert king. Like, mm. how do you spin that to the parents who approve that? You know, <laughs> uh, good question. Good question. I'm one, sure. th- one thing you got to give Clinton credit for is consistency. Because a year after that, they did Shrek the musical. And if you know anything about Lord Farquaad, he's the ultimate simp. He's king simp. Fair. The fair. magic mirror is like, which of these ladies do you want? He's like, oh, oh, oh I want the red one. I'm going to want the red. Meanwhile, Shrek's like the ultimate Chad. Yeah, Shrek's the ultimate He's not Chad. even trying. No, nope, he's, he's out there trying. eating onions, cares yeah. about his property. <laughs> Never showers. Tending to his fields. Lives in a swamp. Works 12 hours in some night dirt ship factory. Doesn't clean his toes. Fights a dragon. Fights a dragon. Sounds like the life. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a blue-collar man right there. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, you got to do it into the mic. It's for the <laughs> you audience. Look away. It's for the audience. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to get that that feeling that you're in the in the room with you. See, there, there's an untapped market of ASMR. <laughs> Flactuants. And everyone knows that that market exists within the podcast universe, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. They're kitty corner. Within, like, comedy podcasts, specifically. The same way that, like, human trafficking and Hollywood are kind of intertwined. The same way that body flatulence. Am I saying that word wrong? I body flatulence. Flatulence. I think. What are you saying? What's the uh, yeah? I'm confused as where you're going. You know what flatulence is? Like burping and farting. Oh, flatulence. Did I? Am I been saying this wrong? You said flatulence. It kind of sounds like influence and like flatulence. That's what we are. We are influencers of the flatulence. We like to burp. We like to fart. Hey, on the Patreon, you get to see us pee and poop. All right, <laughs> maybe you, maybe you, dog. Yeah, you go ahead. You, you go, go right ahead. ahead bro. <laughs> I didn't know you were leaning into scat. Now, <laughs> listen, bud. I got a career to protect. You, you do you. Yeah, I'm a flatulent. Let's, let's shift topics a little bit, Phil. A little bit into uh, like some of Mike's specialties over here. Uh, Mike, could you go a little bit into like um, your your schooling expertise? Your um, you know, yeah. you were telling us. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, where have you been? For yeah, all what it, for like your old friends that maybe haven't heard about you. Oh yeah, I guess I guess there's a lot of you. Um, so anyway, I have been uh, so well. I, I spent a little bit of time in Madison. I was working a job at the university there. Right, uh, great job by the way. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the Tommy wow. G. Thompson Center. Did I give you a mug? What would it, no? You would no, describe no. that job a little huh? bit. Just just so to, so the Tommy, sounds like you had fun. Yeah, so the Tommy G. Thompson Center on public leadership. Uh, it was. It was a, a fun job. It was really my first job, 
right? I had before that I was a, a stalker at a grocery store for six months, but after that, like this was my first like you know pull up the pants. This is a big boy job sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, doing it, I was like in charge of well a lot of different things, right? I did uh, the finance in the center. It was a small center, three people, um, but the state the state government had uh, was funding it, right? And they had a budget of around three million dollars a year, or no, every two years, so it was a million and a half a year. And so I was I was part I was in part responsible for managing that, um, but then I would also have to like uh, we'd put on conferences, bring in speaker events. What uh, age did you uh, land that job? Huh? I was uh, let's see. So it was it was right after undergrad. So I would have had to been twenty four. Okay, twenty four ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about about twenty four. Um, just fresh out of undergrad. That's uh, dope. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mark. Yeah. So it was really great. It, it was. It's a great job. And cheers now- to that, guys. <laughs> it's right yeah. there. That's a cheers right there, guys. Oh, man, you like- <laughs> You're managing multi-million dollar or like a part of that? All right. I mean, that was, age, not too bad. I was kind of. So I was not res- too bad. <laughs> you were brushing you know, shoulders. Let me like- get that dust off your shoulder, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so after after I did that for a while, um, I it was about two years in, uh, mm. and I was, it was kind of. Even though the the environment, like every new day, was like there's new fires to put out or new things to do, it was still kind of getting stale. Where it's like, okay, for the next year, we're gonna be repeating the same process mm-hmm. again. I decided to to go pursue my education again. So I was looking for like a master's degree, um, and so I applied. I applied to three schools. I applied to Madison, which was gonna be my safety net because I was pretty sure I could get in there. And then I applied for two schools out east, Georgetown University and uh, Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, because international affairs was sort of what I thought I wanted to do. Was that what your undergrad was in as well, or was that Under- something else? Undergrad was just a, a sort of a general undergrad, and I studied um, political science and economics. I, okay. <laughs> I stayed an extra semester to make sure that I could dual major in economics. It was... Not worth my time. I, th- I'd had the political science major, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. well, there's not going to be jobs available for this, so let's get the economics major. There will be a lot available for that." No, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> what there was, there was a lot of podcasts. You can get into political majors now. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, touch base on, back when you were in Madison, did you not uh, brush shoulders with what's her face, Laura Bush, or former first ladies, or anything like that? Or? So, so I met a uh, uh, Lynn Cheney. Oh yeah, right. the hot Cheney. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, the current no, senator? no, not not the current senator. I believe the current senator is her daughter. daughter Lynn yeah. Cheney is the oh the wife, the to widow, Dick. the widow of yeah. Dick. Yeah. So oh, okay. the, who the, would that be? The second lady then? Is that right? I don't no, know. she's still a first lady. Either if the husband's dead. If Bush, I, mean, I don't think it's the, not about the husband being yeah, dead. It's, it's about the position. It was yeah. the oh. wife to the vice president. You're right, because they they gave they kind of made a little bit of a hoopla about like Kamala's husband that he was going to be like the first oh yeah something or the first second husband or yeah. something. yeah like, really second really. husband yeah. yeah okay so yeah you brushed with first second over second wives dang dude so you're over here like rubbing shoulders with these people huh? I mean rubbing shoulders so much as like <laughs> hey working with them do, do you want to come speak at our event as the keynote speaker for a bit here's your here's your money. Um, please come speak at our thing. Yeah. And then they do. Has has anybody ever made a ridiculous request like, yes, I will go do your event, but only if we're serving this type of chili or if a certain amount of this donation goes to this charity or foundation or we can't mention of any Trump talk or like 
So, so the second one has happened, right? Where somebody has said, "No, this is part of my job. Keep your money." Right? So that happens a surprising amount, right? Mm, okay. Um, especially if you're if you're coming from a uh, like a school, right? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of these major speakers have like agents, right? And they they've got essentially it's a speaker agency, like the Washington Speakers Bureau or something like that. And you'll contact them, and then essentially you negotiate with the the person in the bureau. Who acts as a go-between, so you don't actually talk with the speaker themselves. These are the really high-level speakers. Yeah, middle-level, lower-level speakers. A lot of times, you just contact them directly. Um, These are like the Hillary Clintons. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Clintons. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Bidens. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. My favorite. Well, before, the Hillary Clintons. Before the, you know the Bidens, the Bill Clintons. Pelosi does a lot of speeches. Mm-hmm. I, I just know of like the Clintons because Bernie Sanders famously called her the fuck out. Like, oh, in, good. <laughs> uh, I just remember that that he That's was a name. He was asked. He just called her out about like why did um well, I believe it was like a certain Wall Street firm that paid why her did J P Morgan like pay millions you one point six million dollars to come speak at them yeah, yeah to come speak right mm-hmm. and on, honestly having been the person who hires a lot of these people I'm like holy crap I w- I hope that someday in the future I can be famous enough that this is my job right yeah like like literally literally some of the prices are like you know what. Instead of hiring this person to speak for an hour, why don't you just hire me to do it for that wage, and I will work the whole year to put together a baller <laughs> speech for you? Like it's it's that much. With deep fake technology, you could be that person. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll put the camera on you. You could be the former second lady, Liz Cheney, <laughs> okay. whatever her name is. Yeah, I'll just pretend. That's uh, <laughs> that's gonna get me in hot water. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, but a lot of times, since I was working for the university, mm. um, a lot of times they have they cut their rates specifically because it's an education related thing. So you know you'd have to bring that up every time yeah. you, you negotiate with these people. Yeah, the, yeah. Teachers discount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Teaching discount. It's for it's for the kids. Everyone. It's for the kids. I'll, yeah. I'll take forty thousand rather than sixty. It's is, fine. It, <laughs> is there any like um, like a two or three names you can name that like? That you can name, that you're open to naming, that you like contacted to bring over. Uh, sure. I don't remember a lot of the specifics, but we had like David Axelrod in. We had uh, Carl Rove. We had. Um, you uh, guys had Carl Rove, huh? Yeah, yeah, we we did. He did. Let me. Th- oh, it's it's been a couple years at yeah. this point. I believe. And which book did Carl Rove write? He was one of the architects of the Iraq War, right? <laughs> Think I know. I forget. I thought okay. I <laughs> I, think I, I went through like a list of person after person. Yeah. After you person. think about Ben Powell, Colin Powell. <laughs> good, good job. Well done. Exactly, folks. This is why we get paid the big bucks, and to remind everyone to enjoy New Glarus Moon Man when you can. There was a there was a famous historian. I'm trying to remember the name of. She wrote like a, a Team of Rivals, which is like a book about like Abraham Lincoln and and his group of people that are helping him through the civil war uh never mind i'm sorry i can't can't yeah. put my finger on that's it. fascinating mm-hmm. though you were like almost like how there's you know um producers for podcasts that reach out to like the most interesting guests mm-hmm. you know you're doing that on a much more serious level <laughs> well, where ser- I mean, a little bit more serious level mm-hmm. where you guys are like trying to introduce ideas to you know like the future mm-hmm. like managerial class essentially yeah yeah that and like usually our like conferences would have like a theme like uh prison reform in mm-hmm. wisconsin or uh the future of energy um let's see we had a uh, we had one on one of our topics one year was uh transportation right 
that one was a bit of a struggle just because people aren't really all that interested in transportation related topics. Yeah. I remember I remember we we organized a conference um and I was real stoked about it at first, right? Cuz we actually got a reservation at the Harley Davidson Center or museum, right? Which has a, a major major like uh, you can reserve areas for events. So they've got a, two or three different areas they can reserve for events. So uh, the number I was given for our like target for audience attendance, right, was 300, which seems reasonable. But it was right at the edge where we went from the, the second uh, the second most expensive uh, part of the museum to the first most expensive. So I was like, okay, well, if we get more than 300, we got to have the, the first size. Otherwise, the museum will have a fit. So we got the first place. But then on the day that we actually had the event, right? And, you know, we could see it coming because we had, like, ticket reservations and stuff like that. We had, I think it was, like, 120 people-ish. Yeah. Mm. It was a, a major, major disappointment. <laughs> it was funny, though, because as, as the num- we're getting closer and closer to the date, I could see the numbers of how many attendees we have, like, potential attendees. I was like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Yeah. And I was, like, literally going through... Uh, I was online searching out uh, biker gangs of Wisconsin because I was like, "Who's going to be interested in transportation?" Uh, okay, and I was like, <laughs> "Like Loki, like what's what's the web page for biker gangs?" All right, here's a special invitation for you guys. Please come to our event. And you know, at least one group did. Hey, right? that's fair. Mm-hmm. I felt kind of bad for them because you got a whole bunch of policy wonks who were not talking about like motorcycles or really yeah. anything anything that they they cared about. And uh, one of them actually asked a question. Uh, relating to like the quality of roads for motorcyclists and the guy up there just kind of he uh, he didn't really address it he did the politician thing where you know you kind of you kind of like you give an answer but it's a non-answer yeah yeah you just pivot to something else it was just like oh the roads for the motorcyclists are very important to me and that's the very first thing we're gonna do right when we get in an office thank (laughs) you for bringing that up to uh to my attention thank you next question Kind of a thing. No, okay. So, so anyway, that's <laughs> that's kind of my time at the Tommy Thompson Center, right? Um, and if, if I could just keep going about absolutely, my background, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So after that, I was I was getting a bit bored. Well, not bored because it's it's exciting, but I was get it was getting a little bit stale. Um, I decided to pursue my education, right? And I mm. applied to to a couple of universities, including Johns Hopkins and the uh, Georgetown. And Georgetown University, mm-hmm. right? Well, I got turned down by Georgetown, which put me into, like, I was incredibly depressed for, like, about a week. And I was just like, all right, well, fallback plan. I got accepted in Madison. We're going to be fine. But then Johns Hopkins accepted me. Uh, but there was they accepted me, but I had to pay full rate, right? Uh, which which I was fine with until later, until, like, later on. Because I, I attended Johns Hopkins, which is, it's out in D.C., right? And one of, had there were a couple conversations I had while I was out there with other students where, like, they they mentioned that like oh you know if they don't offer you like student aid to attend right that's effect effectively a no without saying no right uh, and so like that bothered me because I was like you mean I'm not good because because it, it reflects yeah. on you you're like oh you mean I wasn't good enough but now on the on the other end of it I'm like well if that's the case I don't really care because now I've got the master's degree yeah. from a prestigious university he showed that you were good enough I well yes the help of them. yes yeah. honestly like mm-hmm. that's that's what it feels like like hey you succeeded um and so so I did my two years there I studied specifically conflict management right mm-hmm. and uh my my focus my focus was conflict management in the the realm of international relations so you're studying like mediation you're studying uh international bargaining negotiation sorts of stuff uh you're studying conflicts what causes them how they can be resolved uh 
well, managed, really. Uh, we, we lower the bar a bit because resolution is very hard, right, for most every conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had a civil war ourselves here, and we're the great nation of the United States. Not quite a civil war, but, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a friendly environment. The, as, a, as a conflict management per- person, I'm kind of like, this could be a better situation. But, you know, you also get sort of a perspective on, like, other areas of the world because, you know, it's an internationally focused school. So you get, like, a perspective on, like, the struggles of other countries around the world. And some of them have, like, you, you, you look at, their, at the problems and you're just like, my God, I, I, wish, I wish I could help that. And I'm so glad that it's not here, right? Because they just seem like insurmountable problems. But, you know, as a conflict management person, congrats, that's going to be my job. So I'm the guy, I'm the guy who's going to be like, well, hope my ideal job is to be the guy who goes into like a negotiation or talks with people who hate each other. Like, uh, uh, think uh, Palestine and Israel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And be like, I'm going to be the guy who, who bangs his head into the wall over and over again on a hopeless, like, on a seemingly hopeless case until hopefully something changes. Yeah. Right. You guys get this side of the deli, and you guys get this side of the deli on these certain days. We're we're selling the deli. Well, that's what they're arguing about, right? Not enough room in the Gaza Strip <laughs> for the daily activities, like going to the deli and shit like that. Oh, the deli, yeah. like like the ham sandwich store. Yeah, I I cannot <laughs> argue <laughs> with that. I guess that's a decent metaphor. What are they arguing about? Huh? They're arguing about the Gaza Strip, right? They're arguing about Palestine's right to sort to of exist. exist as an independent yeah. country, right? And specifically how that would work. They weren't like pork lovers. I thought Israel was like, you guys are going too wild in Delhi. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys are eating too much pork over there. <laughs> Indeed. That's that's the origin story. Of, uh, <laughs> it was just someone who was upset that his ham sandwich was made poorly. Of the conflict in the Middle East? God, Who, if only. Mike, uh Earlier, we had mentioned, and obviously Phil also told me, um, that your one of your specialties was in the country of Ethiopia. Yeah, that, you couldn't um, just talk a little bit about that. But naturally, like an Ethiopian. No, okay. you don't have to do that. <laughs> so, anyway, if there's any Ethiopians in the audience, my apologies if I mistell anything, right? But so for uh, so I studied Ethiopia uh, specifically the most the most recent civil war in Ethiopia because I was doing a a master's thesis on um on uh da, da. <laughs> God, that's not good. I can't even remember what it did. No, no, it was unilateral it was unilateral ceasefires, right? Oh. So so a, a ceasefire, right, of course, is when two countries like say like, hey, can we can we stop? No can more, we, can please we, can we peace out. Right? You got the white flag going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just L- like little treaty. A Magna you know. Carta. Was that a treaty? Yemen yeah. and Saudi Arabia have one right now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They've got a they've got a treaty right now, which is actually um, due, due to end pretty soon, right? I don't rem- I don't recall when specifically that treaty is due up. Uh hopefully if if it is going to end, they'll renew it, right? Uh, a lot of times you need to do that with a treaty. Like, you can't get a permanent sort of ceasefire, yeah. but you can get a ceasefire for, like, two months or whatever so that we can keep talking about things, explore things, and then mm-hmm. it ends. And a lot of times a lot of times you'll see where it ends, and then, like, two or three days later it renews. So it's like one side or the other was just waiting to see, does the other side still have its shit together enough to go back to war again? Yeah. Right? And so, oh, okay, they can. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll fine, we'll talk about it some more. 
So uh, when it comes to your specialty, what is the difference between, or what is a unilateral ceasefire versus just a ceasefire? Right. So a unilateral ceasefire is, Ooh, good question. it's not something that happens a ton. It's when one side declares the ceasefire and does not necessarily have the expectation. So, so they declare the ceasefire and say, we are now at peace. We're going to stop fighting, but they don't have a guarantee that the other side is going to do that. Now it's nope. implied by me saying, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm hoping that you will stop fighting me. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm not necessarily demanding that as part of a deal. Right. So I, it's just something that I can do by myself to declare so, it. So it's like maybe if the, like the aggressors can say we're going to have a unilateral ceasefire so, and the defenders will just chill at home. Yes. That's, that's usually the scenario where it occurs. It can occur. It can occur um, where, one side is actually is is now on defense and declares a unilateral ceasefire as sort of like a like oh shit everything's okay. going everything's burning yeah. uh unilateral ceasefire we're not running away from you we're we're desiring peace which is kind of actually what happens with the the first so so Ethiopia sort of happens in three stages right as far as my paper was concerned right uh the first ceasefire was the the government invaded a region in northern Ethiopia called Tigray, right? And it was. Hey, can you um, explain which government? So, so the Ethiopian government, uh, the Ethiopian government uh, displaced the uh, the group that was in power, uh, which this is largely an an ethnically based war, mm-hmm. right? Ah. Um, and I, I'm probably probably going to get in trouble for saying that uh, because it's it's complicated right yeah. as as is everything yeah right? you're surmising certain things but, but bro- yeah. broadly speaking it's an ethnically based war where the tigrayans had power up until uh 2018 2019 or something mm-hmm. like that right mm-hmm. and then uh the the party that was swept into office right in an election right um was sort of like systematically weeding out all the vestiges of the t- tigrayan power that yeah. was still in government right you replace your generals you move uh career <coughs> um career service people around right you just sort of they want sort the right of, bureaucrats right right, right. Yeah. you're just you're just pushing them out right well the mm-hmm. tigrayans were getting increasingly upset by this right and eventually the northern region of tigray um so so they did two things one they held an election uh after the ethiopian government was uh had formally announced that there was going to be no elections because of COVID, right? They they had a specific delay. They said when it was going to be. But this, oh. this northern region, Tigray, had its own local government, right? And the local government defied those orders. The second thing that they did was that they they attacked and, um, and uh, obtained the... Uh, there was like an Ethiopian army, or armory, excuse me, in northern Ethiopia in that Tigray region. And they went there and they seized all the weapons. Um, oh, damn. And they, they armed themselves, right? Cause, and so, of course, like they had decided that they were going to fight it out with the with the government. And hopefully the government doesn't even fight it out, just says, okay, whatever, you can do whatever the hell you want, right? The plan is a little bit unclear as to what the long-term, the long-term plan for the Tigrayans was. But anyway, the Ethiopian government, with the, under a new guy uh, named uh, Ahmed, I believe, right? It's Prime Minister, yeah, Prime Minister Ahmed, right? Abis, I think it's Abis. Ahmed Abis. Ahmed Abis. <laughs> All right. Ahmed, please. I'm sure he'd approve of your dancing. 
Mike, can I have you put the mic just a little bit? Yeah, closer? oh, sorry. Sorry oh, about that. Much. Yep. Pretend that you're in the failing Ethiopian government, and I have uh, a mellow please. <laughs> Jesus. Nine millimeter? So anyway, Ahmed, Ahmed, Prime Minister Ahmed won his election uh, being the pick from two the two largest ethnic groups, right? Which okay. consists of, it's a number of, of political organizations, but basically ethnic ethnically al- aligned and the two biggest had an alliance that of that for an election they rallied behind Ahmed and he kicked out the 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 Tigrayan leadership right so Ahmed um he is now faced with Tigray in rebellion and he decides that we could just put this out this rebellion down right if we just arrest all the the Tigrayan leaders right We'll just go in, we'll arrest all the leaders, we'll put down this this uh, rebellion quickly, and that'll be the end of it, right? Um, so they do that. So the military goes and it invades Tigray, and it has some success. It captures the regional capital, right? It's pushing the rebels around. But these are the same re- Well, that's getting too much into history. But anyway, the rebels are willing to fight a guerrilla war for... A long time. A long time. Yeah. But they actually have a remarkable amount of success, right? And the Ethiopian military, because they had kicked out, because because they had been doing this, the government had been doing this ethnic purge of Tigrayans, including in the military, the military was not the quality that it was before, right? And it, it actually started losing ground, right? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, how this relates to Unilaw ceasefires, the government was was rapidly losing cohesiveness of his forces it was it was actually having entire army groups surrender right and so it was pulling back and it declared a unilateral ceasefire right to say for forget i forget it was for the harvest season that was their excuse it was like we're declaring a unilateral ceasefire so that our people could go home and farm so nobody goes hungry right but the real reason is because you were they were running from the region right yeah they were getting their ass whooped right and so so and let me know if I'm if I'm narrating too long as far no, as the no, history I, goes, right? No, this is good, mm-hmm. right? So it's like Game of Thrones, but with like you know Tigerians, Tigray, Tigrayans. What the hell did you call me? Yeah, well, back to <laughs> your story. Don't listen to him. Listen to him. Uh, so the the Tigrayans pushed out, um, and there they they invaded. So they they recaptured all of Tigray and they invaded the uh the bordering regions to the south right while the government was in retreat right and for a bit there for a bit there it looked like the government might collapse entirely right like it was just it was afraid the military wasn't very strong um, crops were being harvested bunch yeah, of lazy workers i bet you know yeah, yeah as you morale know. was down as you morale do. morale was pretty shattered um but uh so so from there uh the the Tigrayans, so, so the government managed to hold a couple of key, um, a couple of, of key roadways that connected them to like international trade, right? Because Ethiopia is a landlocked country, right? So all their trade has to go through. There's a couple of pathways, but the main one is is a is a one road through Djibouti, right? Which Djibouti? Yeah. Yes, Djibouti. It's How f- big is her booty? Huh? A Djibouti. Does she got Djibouti? Oh no, she doesn't. No. Um. Sorry, that was a that's a UN joke. I, like I was in Mali United Nations, and that oh, was that was that, that was literally that was the joke. No, that was literally the joke there. Like it was a terrible joke. No, do uh, you think that was culturally inappropriate what they were doing at the model UN? Yes, but also bunch of 
bunch of teenagers slash early twenties. Like people are stupid. They did sure. they did a lot worse at the Model United Nations conferences than <laughs> they did a lot worse. <laughs> they did. Oh, before we get into that, let's talk about Ethiopia. Okay, okay, it's, yeah. It kind of reminds me of Star Wars, right? You got the Trigonians, the Trihards, or whatever, which is like the island of Tatooine, the planet of Tatooine, right? Targaryen. It, it wasn't. It wasn't awful, but I'm very lost as far as Tatooine. You could just do the Empire and the Rebels. Like, well, that's what they are. But the Rebels are, you know, Luke Skywalker is is a made of bees. He's made of bees. So okay, so 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 the rebels in this case are the Ethiopian government then. Yep. Okay, not good how, guys. Not how I was gonna go at it, but like no. Okay, Th- there's no good guys in this one. There's no good guys. Not really. They're all a bunch of Darth Vader's running around. Uh, kind of. Yeah. What are the, what are the American relations to this conflict? So America's relationship with this conflict, uh, well, first and foremost, we we don't. It's it's not that we don't have a dog in this fight, but we. Our our relationship is mostly we want the the fighting to end, uh, because especially because uh uh is it because we don't have a like, every time we send a dog into the fight it keeps getting eaten by the Ethiopians, is that is that wow what uh no to that but... dog we keep sending into the fight <laughs> that's a hilarious joke but n- no <laughs> um no so so we uh are, you have <laughs> thrown me way off you. You're very good at that. I'm just thinking of dog bones. Yeah, he's, at this he's the best. Great, at that. great friends, everyone. Great <laughs> friends. Anyway, Mike, isn't is uh, I could be wrong about this, but isn't Ethiopia like one of the oldest civilizations on Earth? Yes. So Ethiopia. Ooh. Yeah. So maybe yeah. fuck off, Phil. <laughs> you know, it's part of their tradition to eat dogs. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ethiopia also, just as, as another bit of trivia, Ethiopia is. It's the only or it's one of like two countries in in Africa that was never actually colonized, right? Yeah. Oh, they wow. they have a brief period where they are occupied by the Italians uh before and during the Second World War, but then after that they haven't actually had to deal with the same colonization issues that the rest of Africa has has had to work around. So that you would say they're pastafarians then? You son of a bitch. <laughs> yep, you derailed it again. Congrats. I don't know where I'm going anymore. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so do back to going back to the Civil War, right? Going back to the Civil War, there was a road. There was one road that the rebels pushed very hard to take because if they could take that road, right, they could effectively choke off the supply route of external support for the Ethiopian government, and then they would be able to negotiate with the Ethiopian government and get a resolution. Um, there was some talk that they might march on the capital. It never. Got super close, but it was it was a risk if the if the Ethiopian military had continued collapsing. So two things happened: one, the Ethiopian government successfully held that road, right? And the second thing is that uh, Prime Minister Ahmed actually did did the the baller move, right? That you don't hear about anymore. And as as the leader of his country, went to the front line to like direct in person, right? Wow! All and, right, and like. You know, I was when that happened. I because this this was is all fairly recent, right? So like I was around for the news when this happened. I was like, oh well, that's the last desperate gasp, right? Like, yeah. this is this is going to be end. But he actually he turns it around, right? The military su- uh, successfully gets uh, supplied uh, with uh, drones, I believe, from Turkey, right? And uh, it starts. It he he calls he does a major call up, like a volunteer force call up of like defend your city right and they get the volunteers that they need um and they actually get a swell of volunteers from the regions 
south of Tigray that got invaded by the Tigrayans, uh, because those regions also have their own sort of, like, well, anyway, um, they got a lot of volunteers from those regions, because this war has been brutal, like, full of atrocities on both sides, all right? As uh, any war is and, ever going to be. And that's that's part of what's informing the U.S. position on Ethiopia right now, is they, there was kind of, like, it, it was kind of an unlabeled sort of genocide going on there, right? Ooh. Um like it wasn't good. There was definitely human rights offenses, uh, offenses occurring. Like against the Tigrayans, against the Tigrayans, and the Tigrayans against the Ethiopian government. Again, no good people yeah. here, right? Bunch of dark Vaders. Yeah, but I, I guess I was just Bunch wondering where where the genocide accusations were coming from and towards who. Uh, both sides, right? Like the inv- it's it's the military. It's military forces full of young men being really yeah, reckless. Really bad. Yeah, yeah, well, reckless and you know. I mean, you know, you've got the accusation evil. of well, sometimes, evil. Yeah, playing yeah. out, playing out evil, right? You, you've got your, your We saw that too, uh, going on right now with Russia and the Ukraine. We would hear like fake news from Russia saying like these guys, you know, they started the cease, they started the the invasion on us. Mm-hmm. We're defend, go defend your people. When in reality, it was Russia keep pushing into the Ukraine, but they're broadcasting in different. So I'm assuming that mm-hmm. same thing would happen with Ethiopia and the Trigarians. They're like, so, these Ethiopians keep eating your dogs. Tell them to stop. And the Trigarians are like, please stop. Tigrayans, but yes, I, I mean, I, I'm, fake, sure, fake, I'm sure, that, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure each side has its own version of propaganda going mm-hmm. on. But a lot of it is very, very real. Like, um, well, well, yeah, human rights atrocities and. And uh, it it's kind of been an ongoing thing. So the the military, the Ethiopian military rallied and successfully, um, uh, again, again, a second. It was it's not a declared ceasefire, right? But the Tigrayans voluntarily withdrew to their own borders. But no, it was because they're losing again, yeah. right? Because the Ethiopian military has rallied, so they withdraw their own borders. Um. And. Uh, Oh shoot! I lost. I'm sorry. I lost track. That's the second. That's that's the second the second effect yeah, yeah, yeah. of Ulanos ceasefire, right? The third one's the most it, common it, one. And so, so the milita- And so, in both of these cases, it's been a Ulanos ceasefire where the one side is losing, and it's failed both times, right? Because a successful Ulanos ceasefire would be, I declare Ulanos ceasefire, and you join me anyway. Right, oh. so that's that's where you find a success with the unilateral ceasefire. Otherwise, the ceasefire was like we stop fighting, but we're still going to be enemies. We're beefing, but we're, we're good right now. Well, I mean, then it's a mutual. If if both sides, the the idea, the the goal of a unilateral ceasefire is to get to a mutual ceasefire, right? Like that's yeah. that's the end goal. Because um, unilateral means one side agrees versus mutual on both sides. Right. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, as the person declaring a unilateral ceasefire, you actually run a decent amount of political risk because uh, you're, you're staking your reputation on the other person yeah. not continuing to fight when they desperately want to fight you, right? But you're because you look weak now because you declared a unilateral ceasefire, right? And if the other if the other person attacks you afterward, your own political supporters will be like, well, what the hell are you doing up there? Clearly, you don't know what you're doing, and clearly, you shouldn't have trusted them. Why are you declaring a ceasefire? Right? Yes, right. Um, but so, so anyway, continue, continuing the narrative in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. the government forces push back, right? But the this time, uh, Prime Minister Ahmed does something interesting. He stops his forces at the border, which again, this is this is where the Tigrayans have declared where there's a new border, right? And he just stops his forces there. They just kind of sit there and stare at each other, right? They don't really declare like a formal ceasefire or anything like that. The next 
major event happens in uh, in March of 2022, I believe. Yes, yeah, this year, right? In that now the government again tries again a unilateral ceasefire, but this time they're coming from a much more of a position of strength, right? And they just let's see they they declared it to be a humanitarian ceasefire, which was which was partially uh, caused at least in part it's caused by international pressure right because th- this is where the real genocide sort of sort of uh discussion comes from because uh supplies were being choked off from the Tigrayan regions because okay. you know if you're the Ethiopian government why would i want supplies going into that a real region? yemen situation right right mm-hmm. like you any supplies that go in there are at risk of falling into the hands of the rebels which yeah. means but really it's just like anything that could potentially support the rebels position including food medicine yep. right like um okay and so so that's uh so his announcing the unilateral ceasefire for humanitarian reasons was reasonably credible but i mean it's a it's a it's a situation that he himself caused right easy cop out he can like look guys you guys are gonna have to join me because like i mean you guys are gonna starve to death well anyway anyway since then uh the conflict has not broken out and the most recent news that i saw is they've they have tentatively agreed to a more permanent sort of ceasefire, and tentatively they are going to be um, they're going to be negotiated with each other for a final resolution of the conflict, uh, overseen by mediators. From it's it's unclear exactly what the, if they've settled on the who's going to be mediating yet. There's the Ethiopian government wants the African Union to be the mediator for the discussion, um, and the Tigrayans really want. Uh, Kenya specifically to be the mediator. Now I don't know why that is. I, I, I confess I don't know what uh, Kenya's relationship is with the uh, the TPLF, which is the 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 group in charge of Tigray. Do you think perhaps it may have been a misspell on their part, and they wanted Kanye? They wanted Kanye instead of Ken- Kanye. Kenya? can do it. He's got it. I believe in you, Kanye. He, he's got all his ducks in a row. Yeah, right. he's oh, very it, sound, reasonable man. Isn't it just Yi now though? Yeah, 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 yeah. I dead named. I'm sorry. You, should, you don't. You, you don't should dead be ashamed. You don't dead name. <laughs> Apology accepted. That's my only bit of popular culture that I happen to know. Hey, you know the important <laughs> stuff. You know Kanye is no longer Kanye. Mm-hmm. He's Ye. Mm. I think it's Ye. To be fair, yay. is it? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I would have guessed yay. that wrong. That uh, brings out the tone. But so anyway, that's that's kind of where this conflict is. Where there's. There appears to be hope yeah. of it of it ending. Uh, and Ethiopia, the Ethiopian government has an incentive for this to end. They they really can't just sit and let the let the civil war go on forever. Ethiopia's main problem is that it's so so a country is often defined by its its nationalism. That's what like the French are French, right? And they identify as ethnically French, and that's their identity, right? The United States is kind of a weird exception where it's like, hey, we got a whole bunch of different people here, but, you know, first you're a United States citizen sort of thing, and that's supposed to be your identity. And we've we've been seeing for the last decade or so, like, the limits of that, right, where you do have conflict, right? Um in turmoil. Ethi- in, in, well, yeah, turmoil. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to hold together a nation when the people don't identify as being of the same people. Oh, ain't right. that the truth, brother? Right. Your identity becomes a major issue. So, what about like, I don't. I mean, th- 
Africa has so many countries that are like mm-hmm. have a hundred ethnic groups. Right, you know, right, like, because they decided they decide because that's because it gets really, really complicated. Like a if, thousand languages, you know, like you hear mm-hmm. about like those kind of countries in, in mm-hmm. Africa. Like Macau. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but like, how do they keep it together? Huh? Uh, through a lot of work and a lot of conflict. A lot of conflict, right? right? Conflict like, like, like I've heard the same um, thing thrown at China, like. Like people are at China. Yeah, I mean, people are mostly only aware of like the Han, like like the Han, the Han Chinese. Group. Yes. Meanwhile, like you have um, dozens of uh, minority groups mm-hmm. like within China. A big minority group being the uh, the Uyghurs, Uyghurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. Muslim Chinese. Mm-hmm. Got right, but but the the, the why why it works in in China, right? Yeah. Is it's it's the uh, communist it, party. Well. Uh, to a certain extent, but mostly it's because the minority group has very little power and can't possibly obtain power on its own. Like it just, mm-hmm. it just can't, right? So the majority is never threatened, right? Where you get real problems is where there are minority groups that are capable of taking power and controlling power, because then majorities get real paranoid about it, yeah. right? And they act to protect to protect themselves, right? Or if they're not in power. Eventually, they act to take power, right? You see this in, in Rwanda is a good example, right? A famous example that people are aware of, right? The Trump yeah. presidency. Yeah. Or in Star Wars, Hon- Attack of honestly? the Jedi. Yeah. Honestly, right? Yeah, right? I you've, mean... You've got a numerically minority, yeah. right, that acts to protect itself because it feels threatened. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're, one of our sponsors is Steve Bannon, so we're going to have to cool it oh, down. Oh, we got to cool yeah. it down. Trump talk. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Steve, give me all your money. All right, now <laughs> go not away. Doing too hot in the Supreme Court at the moment. They took him in for the uh, January sixth committee. Mm-hmm. It looks that, like he looks like he's going to get charged for two counts well, of something. He's getting charged by the court of. Oh right, right, because he he like failed to show up for Congress, right? Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's the side, that's one of them because like he like Couldn't I'm not I'm not yeah. even going to bother to the committee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a radio show I got to do. Which which <laughs> mind you, mind you, when when. Trump officials started with that line. I was like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. But then apparently you can just ignore Congress when it requests your presence. Apparently that's a thing you can can do if you've got a lawyer. But now now it seems to be like, all right, we finally got to the point where like, no, you actually cannot ignore Congress, I guess. It worked underneath <laughs> Obama. I think it's because Democrats are usually like love to play the part of the pussyfoot in the mm. relationship. Like they love to be the spineless jellyfish. Mm. Yep. They're usually like too like like they they don't like, take yeah. the the political risks yeah. that a, a lot of pe- a lot of people hope that they would, exactly. right? Especially like the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, right? We've we came in and we're ready to just accomplish something. And so so I identify as a, a moderate but within the Democratic Party, right? But even after So you were like Reagan. Huh? Ra- Reagan is Reagan's not a, a Democrat. moderate. I know, but like <laughs> the, Jimmy Carter. I mean, like Pelosi, Schumer, Wall Street, like hot. goons, you know, like Amy Schumer, hot. I'm like the <laughs> like Reagan. That, is that what it takes to get your like vote? You got to be fancy. AOC's got my vote. Like you just hear about these stories, like uh, Republican presidents, like Reagan, Nixon, uh, having like these mixed records that you could almost like never imagine to a current right, uh, Republican. Yeah. Like Nixon uh, mm-hmm. created the EPA. Mm-hmm. Like um, Reagan had amnesty. 
can you imagine like Trump doing that? And that's why no, I said that, that they were impossible. Right? That's why I said like that it's, they it's, it's swung. Reagan right. and Nixon, Nixon yeah. are like moderate mm-hmm. Democrats. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Well, that's that's polarization. Even though culturally, yeah. like they wouldn't fit there, they would probably like be turned off by the LGBT this or the like mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter this. Mm-hmm. The rest of their policies, like the deregulation of this or. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but meanwhile, like they happen to, you know, be pro amnesty or pro EPA. Mm-hmm. Out of the three of us, relationship wise, I think I'm more of a Democrat when it comes to like relationship wise. I like to pussyfoot around. Uh, I'm spineless. I never speak up for myself. <laughs> I like to go with the flow. I really don't have a voice for myself. I just let what the other person says. You just repeat the last thing you heard. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's that's actually a very useful negotiating ta- tactic, just to let you know. Repeat, oh, the, really? repeat the last three words they said are the most important words in their sentence, right? They will okay. they are obligated to keep talking to you. Like it's it's that easy and then you get more information out of them. And when you're negotiating, that can be very helpful. This is like this is like a very simple like negotiating trick wow. sort of thing. Write that one down, Phil. I right. need to go to John Hopkins. I'm gonna be a pickup master with a <laughs> master's degree. A pickup master? Pickup master? You know what a pickup artist is? Brother, <clears throat> there's a couple of uh, of flatulent influencers that I follow that are uh, pickup artists that go around. They're like, hey, mama. Hey, little mama. You know. They're just guys who catcall girls. Mm-hmm. But in a classy way. They go up there like, wow, I can tell by your sign that you're deeply confused at what's happening now. And let me tell you, the stars have aligned for me. To give you my number mm-hmm. and so you see what has just happened right now is i i the the trick that i was telling you about i literally just used it you were talking about something you said a pickup artist at one point mm-hmm. i responded with a pickup artist and now i got all this information out of the both of you right about what specifically you view a pickup artist as right? drop the mic moment right there boom tool used damn you just get you just gaslit me, dude. He's a next, little bit, yes. My God, I'm next Dale Carnegie over here. <laughs> <laughs> I just got gaslit. I need to drink more. Jesus Christ. Yeah, drinking helps. Ironically, drinking actually helps in negotiations a lot of the time, right? <laughs> I can 100 percent believe that. Mm-hmm. I bet that's why they're held at all these like um, fancy bars and you know like mm. uh, steakhouses and shit like that. Right, right. After three martinis, somebody else is yeah. Gonna so, be... Somebody's like more affable, yeah. right? Like uh. Uh, a little bit looser. Yeah, I f- one of my professors was t- was talking about a, I forget which conflict it was. I think it was the conflict in in Bosnia, right? That there were there were three, there were three different main parties to the negotiations, right? And two of the parties got roaring drunk together, right, at the end of a negotiations process, right? It was the middle of the night, and they came to an agreement, right? And they signed the agreement. They were all happy. They were partying about it, but they completely forgot to ask the third party, right? So, oh, Lord. So the next morning, they, they show up, and they're like, <laughs> a bunch of people with hangovers are looking at the deal. They're like, yeah, I, I guess this is the deal I signed, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, the, and uh, what, what do you guys think of Bosnians? What do, you, what do you guys think? We hate it. Oh shit! Well, that was that was a waste. But that can happen, yeah. right? Where you get agreement, an uh, agreement that you throw away because well, it yeah. it can be agreement that you throw away, or maybe it works. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, historically maybe. speaking, that's how World War II. That's how we got Russia to get uh, Stalin support, right? Didn't Roosevelt and uh, what's his face Roosevelt Churchill, Churchill went out yeah. there and like either Stalin got drunk with Stalin or Stalin came to them, 
And then Roosevelt like got drunk with Stalin. He's like, look at Churchill. Look how fucking fat he is. <laughs> doesn't he? Is doesn't he look funny? He's just ragged on Churchill for the whole time. And then Stalin's like, you're good he's, shit. You're good shit. This is great. I'm gonna join you guys. He's, he's too bald. I don't like that bald guy over there, right? Mm-hmm. Me and you, Stalin. We the, the haired boys together. <laughs> Historically speaking, uh, Churchill was sent, sent a sentimental fellow. Sentimental? Right? Yeah. Didn't he care about the public opinion and? I mean, like an LBJ. I guess he. I I don't think he cared about the L- LBJ. Didn't LB- care. Is- I I don't think so. There's that famous image of like <clears throat> his son-in-law went to the Vietnam because did, did Churchill know who LBJ was? No, no, no. Are they even alive at the same time? No, they weren't alive. Well, I mean, they're alive at the same time, but are they important at the same time? Powerful, robust figures that have a sentimental uh, side to them. Oh, okay. I I see. I see. Well, I mean, Churchill I've never heard that. I've actually heard the complete opposite. Right. That Churchill Churchill was extremely unpopular and that, like, his image was cleaned up and whitewashed a lot by the war. Specifically, extremely unpopular to Indian uh, British people because... He uh, genocide like, he, Yeah, he He's he killed a, he, he killed a few million Indians uh, and didn't feed them to save uh, that that grain for British soldiers. Hmm. I hadn't heard that, but it, I it's, it's not a Bengal fa- famine. Oh, lovely! I'll I'll look into that yeah, one. It's, 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 after you. It like, sounds like a la the Ukrainian famine in like the the 30s with Stalin almost. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, and and that's. Similar to why uh, so many Ukrainians have like, or that that far right like uh, sentiment kind of runs through not all of Ukraine but like some of them because they had to live you know through that Stalinist era mm. so that kind well, of developed yeah, that reactionary right and you yeah, you sentiment. you actually strengthen your own identity in a at, in opposition to the oppressor right because mm-hmm. like the oppressor always has to be someone who isn't you because it doesn't make sense for your own people to be oppressing you so yeah. they have to be the other absolutely right the otherizing you mm-hmm. know yeah and i think i think actually with with this current invasion of ukraine i think part of russia's mistake here uh was that they they took crimea in 2014 right and they they started the the rebellions in the the donbass region right if they were going to do this invasion anyway, and you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but they it would they would have had well, actually it's twenty twenty two now. Hindsight twenty twenty two. Anyway, they they would have been in a, in a better position had they just gone all in right away in twenty fourteen, right? Because yeah. after the invasion of twenty fourteen, things kind of calmed down. The war never really ends for the Ukrainians, right? Yeah. But the outrage that this this neighbor of theirs would take such a significant action against them really sort of fortified the identity of the Ukrainians as viewing themselves as Ukrainian, as someone apart from the Russians, right? So when the Russians in 20, in, uh, well, when the Russians this year, when they invade Ukraine, they they initially expect that it's going to be a walkover, right? They they send like units way out in front of their front, just assuming that they'll be able to occupy the cities, and that'll be the they they'll be welcomed, right? The Ukrainians are welcomed with open arms. Well, that doesn't happen because the Ukrainians don't view themselves as Russian, mm-hmm. right? So, identity, hey, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? I mean, before I guess we're getting close to like an hour or ten here, but I want to get like some big point ideas just to you know, communicate to our audience why they should give a fuck, right? Mm. Like, if you could uh, tell, like, the average Joe, like, six-pack hanging out at a bar, like, why should you give a fuck about this conflict? And I don't mean that, like, in a condescending way. I, I genuinely, like, ask that for those people. Mm. Well, so this this conflict and its outcome has... Oh, the average Joe. 
other than the like, gas prices for going example, up. like it could be commodity prices, it mm-hmm. could be you know the controlling of multinational corporations mm-hmm. within the country. Well, well, commodity prices, of course, like the, the average Joe will see that, right? It comes yeah. out in your in your gas prices, which, by the way, As we are very much telling right now. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I don't know because I, I haven't. Well, leave it aside. Um, I think the, the commodity markets went a little bit crazy, right? Um, but the gas prices will be permanently higher at this point because the West and the United States are not going to be importing a significant amount of oil from Russia, and Europe is moving to uh, get rid of their gas aspects, right? Uh, their their gas dependency on Russia. Their petrol. So so permanently, petrol uh, petrol products, right? Uh, petroleum products are going to be permanently higher in the west right so that's that's a, a that's a reason that 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 will slap the average joe in yes. the face is like this yeah. is my experience right mm. um but the, the risk the risk is that you see that you're like well why are we supporting the conflict right mm-hmm. which is sort of buying into the the russians narrative that they're pushing that like the west is supporting this conflict it would be over if the west would just be gone which is not inaccurate. They're not wrong. Yeah. Right. They're not wrong. Yeah, I right? mean, those fifty billion dollars we sent over there, while well, the rest of Europe sent like ten. I mean, I don't know the the exact numbers, yeah. but it, it is a 80? lot. We send an eighty billion. I yeah. I don't think it's I eighty ju- billion. Well, I know. Sure I know. We sent fifty to forty, and that uh, the UK, the number two donator, was like five to eight. Hmm. Well, they're going through their own things. This is that Boris Johnson so I, stepped down. Like, I don't want to like agree with the Russian propaganda, but that just seems like an accurate description. Hmm. Well, even Trump said it when he was at the G1 summit. He's like, how come America is spending so much in green climate, but <laughs> France ain't doing shit? Well, it, it is an ac- it's a, it's an accurate depiction of the of things, right? That the Ukraine needs the Western support, yeah. right? It, mm. it needs it to keep doing the, the. I think morally, they're like completely in the right. R- like you the, know, the Ukrainians, well, are, the Ukrainians are the Russians. Like, okay, the Ukrainians. Ukrainians yes, yeah. like for the most part, how can you? For the most part, in most cases, I'm not gonna say this rule applies everywhere, but like you almost always side with the defenders, like they're defending their home country. Right. right, right. Like that's just that's just what you do. Yeah. It's it's a Ameri- morally, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, it's an American way of looking at it because we, you know, we're the country of, like, hey, we were the rebels once, right? Yeah. We glorify the 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 we we gro- we glorify the um. Oh shoot! The I'm struggle t- or what? Yeah, well, the struggle, the 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 oh, smaller uh, dog in the fight. Uh, oh, the underdog. The underdog. Thank yes. you. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but but we glorify the underdog. It's something that's popular in our culture, right? Um, but this this particular struggle also has ramifications for how the the international world order, which sounds sounds scary, but I they, get what just you're just basically how world country. Trade. Yeah, well, Alex well, Jones well, talks about this all the time. Well, it, it's how international world order. It's how countries interact with each other. Like, what are going to be the rules that we follow when countries interact with each other? Now, the structure that we have coming out of the Second World War has been fairly successful in tamping down on wars between countries, right? Which is a significant achievement of its own, right? And as part of my like conflict management studies, right? We they you read in the documents right that there's more and more concentration on these intra-state conflicts so civil war or civil war equivalents right because the interstate conflicts it numerically have declined significantly right and then it, it's part of why there was such doubt that russia would actually pull the trigger and invade ukraine right because it just didn't seem yeah. likely to happen right yeah. um wrong well, clear, Do you, wait though, wrong. Like, to be fair you know to play devil's advocate um, 
is that characterization play a advocate? is that characterization like uh i don't know like all the way fair like is it overly rosy yeah probably you know like um while you well we're talking about you know like conflicts that mm-hmm. aren't between other states like the u.s carried like the cold war for 40 years sure and you could literally say that that's you know like a point that goes against what you just said mm-hmm. that they were carrying out you know conflict against other countries right right yeah. the, the u.s is, is fighting communism all around the world yeah. right because to stop this it wants of to it's yeah. very scared of those commies right yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. coming for you right duck and cover and all that yeah right uh, McCarthyism, yeah, yeah, McCarthyism. Um, I thought, but at the same time, at the same time, right? The the counter example is Europe, right? Yeah, Where Pax the, Americana, right? For the last and and here's years. here's a here is a continent that has not had much in the way of peace between neighbors for as long as anyone can remember, mm-hmm. right? And looking back in the immediate history, you're just like, I mean, I guess the Roman Empire would probably be the last time significant parts of Europe were united, mm-hmm. right? But so, that was through force. Well, through force, right? But then you got an international world order that is built of like, hey, we're going to create structures, right? For this is how countries solve their problems. And they tried that with the League of Nations, right? They tried that with the League of Nations, and that fell apart mostly because the United States was gone and because they decided that in order to do anything, all the countries have to agree on it, right? So, uh, that's very hard. That yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's really it's, it's impossible. To, yeah, and and the the League of Nations also screwed up by like, hey, Germany and J- Germany, you're not going to be part of the League of Nations. That that's yeah. stupid. Yeah. But but you have to listen to our to our orders. Anyways, it was stupid. So you've got the United Nations that gets set up right post World War II. You get the sort of like the uh, the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, right? You get all these mechanisms that are created to sort of just take conflicts and find ways to de-escalate them, right? And the United States is in a privileged position in the international world order, such as it is, right? Uh, Both because our economy was the strongest economy in the world, right? And because of our dominant position in Europe um, at the end of the Second World War, not military dominant, just influence dominant over, over the Western powers, the Marshall, the Marshall Plan to yeah. help literally rebuild Europe, we, reset we were, the economies. Yeah, we had the only factories that were working in the majority right, of the yeah, industrial yeah. It, world. It, when the whole rest, when, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when the rest of the industrial world is a bombed out crater, it helps I mean, when Japan you're the only and guy. Germany were the other industrial powers, and they mm. were they got very much they got players. wiped out. Yeah. Right, Michael. What we like to do with the, at the every guest that we have is to well, sorry now actually, is to give advice on how I can find love in my life do There's, i need to do a unilateral ceasefire with the ladies they say no and i say yes until they finally that, say that, yes and that's not the bigger power i think it's the that's, other way around that's <laughs> not how a unilateral ceasefire happens no no although if we we're going to apply unilateral ceasefire that would just be like playing hard to get right yeah all these ladies are playing hard to get they keep saying no i'm like you'll say they're yes like, they're, they say they're not interested in you and you're, you're like, supposed oh, to wow, say that you're just, not interested as well and back off that's, that's what the unilateral ceasefire. I, I'm trying. I, I'm extending a metaphor that doesn't need to be extended, no, right? No. Like, um, no, no, I don't know, Phil. I think you. I think you have plenty going for you that you would have a very good time with the ladies, right? Is it hygiene. Tell them to fix it. Would you? Would you, you should, tell that you should, to a? Tr- you should really fix your hygiene. <laughs> is it my hygiene? I think your hygiene. Is, is it my? Uh, okay, okay. I, I think if you pick up your, chops, so they say, or do I gotta go? I think if you fix your hygiene, 
Like your personality could go a long way yeah, with dude, a lot of ladies. Dude, you are charming as heck. Yeah. Like, with the mutton chops on? And too? you're fairly handsome too. With the mutton you chops? Are. Even with the mutton chops, sure. I'm not a huge fan of them personally. Yeah, right? What's up? What's, what's up? up? What's up? But honestly, like hygiene. That's what's holding me back. I don't know what else is holding you back. Like, I talk with you all the time. I'm like, why aren't the ladies all over this guy? Why aren't they all over this man? You could throw cleanliness in there. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of both. Do you you think maybe you you just come off as... You you go too much, right? Too much too fast. Because you're you're entertaining as heck, right? You're entertaining as heck. You're funny as heck. But I think... I think maybe the risk, maybe maybe the problem is that you never actually drop that aspect of your personality, so it never actually fills out. You you've got the attraction side of things, right? You just don't have the the like this is relationship material side of things. See this hair? I see that hair. Do you see? Uh, again, this hair? is this is attraction, right? This so, is somebody... relationship material right here. You can play with this all day and night. <laughs> you can be like a cat. Yeah. Yarn. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe next time you get started, right? You actually have the contact, right? You're speaking with someone. You're talking with someone on, on Tinder or whichever particular apps Tinder, you, you happen to use. Transmeet. Five or... bar. FetLife. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. You know the ones. Oh yeah. Maybe just back off for a bit. Just be like, all right, well, rather than a joke in every single line, why not just say, Well, how are you doing today? Ah. And just that's it. Just leave it. Okay. I don't know. I'm trying stuff. I am not an expert. Relationships, mm-mm. no, no well, expertise here. What you're here. saying is that to engage the conversation is to seem like I'm not interested at all. That's not not what I'm saying at all, right? No. You, you, okay. So you, you actually do have to be interested, but you have to be like, it's it's less about you being entertaining, right? Like, be less of a clown. Yes, like be you're you're serious and you're boring. You might view it as I just said something boring. I want to spice it up so that you'll follow up with a different message. Just just don't follow up. Just just let it sit. Just let it sit. Let it sit. Okay. Save okay. the jokes. Keep the powder dry. You know if if I if I was half as creative as you, I would love to use it all the time, right? I would love to be clever and insightful and make jokes that make people laugh and smile. Well, right? if that was the case, you would be going for a federal job. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think you, you need be, to be. I, you I be doing th- what I be doing right now? N- not necessarily. No, not necessarily. No. Well, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a good time. I'm sure there are hilarious motherfuckers at the NSA or FBI. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, we will George, ble- George bleep Bush that Sr. out. By the way, we will also bleep out your name earlier just to be double safe. Do you uh, feel b- no? My that? name's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, and your name is. Uh, <laughs> Big Dick Michael <laughs> JP. I, I have biggest dickus. <laughs> Big dickuses. Big Dick Mike, as they call him in Clinton. <laughs> you may be familiar with my father, bro. I'm surprised you're not hanging out your shorts right now. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I came from the interview. That's why I'm sort of set up in like a. There you go. Very formal mm-hmm. up top and party. A general bottom. bottom. Yeah, a general bottom. I don't. I don't party. A Boy Scout bottom. Yeah, party Boy Scouts. <laughs> Your boy Scott Bottom, I'm a power bottom, and folks, and that's how we've solved my love life. Michael, thank you for being a guest on tonight's show. Hell yeah, Mike, thank you. It was a great time. Thanks, guys. It's always good to kick back with some old friends and family, and with the viewers at home. Don't forget to smash that like button, hit subscribe, share this to your family, your therapist, or whoever has wronged you in the past. <laughs>